Hi, this is James Shoke, and host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Today with Chris Hazleton of Misfile. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Hey, uh, I'm Chris Hazleton. As you just said, uh, the comic I'm uh, most well-known for is Misfile. Uh, I started many years ago on a comic called Building 12, um, which is no longer running. I uh, switched to Misfile, uh, which I'm in a weird place with right now, because I actually just finished up the, the Misfile storyline most of you are familiar with, but I'm actually still doing it, because I've moved directly out of the sequel. Uh, and in the meantime, I've also done some comics, uh, one called uh, Steel Wing Shattered, and another called Six Gun Mage, which is also still running. So that's me in a nutshell. Okay, Misfile is basically, you, and I don't know if I'm going to get something wrong here, but it's basically, you've got basically a, how do you pronounce that guy's name, Rums, Rummy Spine? Uh, Rumisiel, I, I, uh, I get that question a lot, but yeah. I've always pronounced Rumisiel. Okay, so, basically Rumisiel is in tra- put in charge of a filing system on the Celestial system, and he sort of screws up. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, uh, t- turns one fr- guy into a girl and basically gets rid of a couple of years off of another woman's life. Total chronological erasure. <coughs> Hilarity ensues. All right, forgive any coughing here. I'm, I'm coming off a week of sick. Uh, but the uh, <coughs> the way I usually, when people come and say, well, what's Misfile about? Uh, <coughs> without giving away too many details, what I usually start with is uh, uh, the basic premise is the entire universe is held together and defined by a set of filing cabinets in heaven. Uh, you make changes to the files, you fundamentally alter the nature of the universe uh, forever and from the beginning of time. It, it basically is a giant analog computer. It rewrites everything. Uh, everything works well for a really long time, but eventually uh, bureaucracy and nepotism is set in, as they were want to do. Uh, and the guy who ends up in charge of one of the sections of the files, uh, his he gets the job because his, you know, somebody owes his brother a favor and his dad's really important. And he just wants to sit around and drink and smoke pot all day, which is generally what he does uh, until... Uh, the events that you just described happened. So uh, there's the there's the basic premise. Yeah, um, and you get your your three main characters: uh, Rumisiel, who is the angel in question; Ash, who uh, was a boy, uh, is now a girl; Emily, who was uh, was a Harvard-bound uh, freshman, uh, spent you know her whole her whole high school career working up to that, and wakes up in the morning and discovers that the last two years of her life, all of her college admissions and everything, have been erased. Uh, and she's two years younger, so yeah, that's your uh, that's kind of your your main character trio there, and the premise all all wrapped up. Okay. <coughs> Where did the original idea for Misfile come from? Uh, well, I was uh, working in Hollywood. I was working in feature film for a number of years, and I ended up being promoted into a into a job that I, I have no complaints about. It was a really good job working for a really great company uh, called uh, Beacon Pictures, um, but I ended up getting into a uh, promoted into a position where really my only way forward was to either um, take a couple of steps back, switch departments, or become a lawyer. Uh, and I ended up working with really a lot of uh, legal files, and uh, we were delivering a couple of films uh, all at the same time. Everyone was really under a lot of stress, and it took me a little longer um, than usual to find some of the files my boss was looking for. And my boss, who was was you know was a, a wonderful woman, but just really stressed that day, kind of snapped at me about it. And uh, ended up storming out of the office under my breath saying, you know what, it's not the end of the freaking world if I misplace one of these files. And uh, sitting in bed that night, uh, kind of with a bout of insomnia, I got to thinking, well, you know, what if it was sort of the end of the world if I misplaced some of these files? What if, what if there were some real, honest-to-God consequences? And everything just sort of, like, exploded and bloomed from there. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating concept, especially when we start talking about some of the metaphysics of how it works and all that. So, I mean, I'd love to see somebody do a D&D magic system based off of that. So, uh, just actually, why did you decide to wrap it up? Or was it always a limited run idea? My intention was always to give it an ending, and I always have, I've been saying for years, uh, the, the story will end around the time the Ash graduates from high school. Um, but uh, as at that same time, the caveat was always, I have no idea how long in real in real time it will take me to get there. And as things moved forward, it just it, the time in the comic sort of naturally progressed. And I got to a point where I said, you know what, this is where I feel like I've always wanted to end the story. I'm going to end the story here. And I didn't want it to be one of those things that just sort of stretched on forever and, and it sort of faded away and petered out. I wanted to give it a proper ending. Uh, so I did that. I did that this year. And I'm moving on to uh, another story in the same universe, uh, a different place, different characters. But, but as, as it all comes together, um, it's going to co- end up connecting with the original story. Everything is going to come back sort of to the original um, uh, starting event that started the original Miss file. Um, and everything will eventually connect back to Miss and Ash and Emily and all that. Uh, but for the time being, we're moving on. Uh, just with a whole new set of characters, new setting, uh, same inciting incident. So, okay, should be interesting. You also, yeah, like you, you've had some interesting stuff. I'd love to talk about the thing, but there's no way to get too spoiler with it. Um, <coughs> but let's deal with some of the stuff that's happened. I mean, you've had some interesting characters have had to deal with some interesting issues over the years, mm-hmm. and I do mean years. Jeez, um, fifteen years, yeah, fifteen, just over fifteen years, Miss Wilder. Which is yeah. also which is also sort of impressive, especially considering you're doing that like mostly almost every day. It seems like. Yep, yep, five days a week. I think I've missed over over time. Um, I think I missed eight updates, and they were all due to natural disasters. <laughs> hey, if you're gonna miss something, that's the way to do it. Hey, um, yeah, I need a day off. Can we schedule a national natural disaster? Cool. No, um. Uh, just how, did you, how were you able to maintain that pace without getting burned out? Um, I guess, I, I guess, I guess it's, it's one of the one of the upsides of having uh, anxiety and OCD. It just I made it part this, this this ritualistic part of my morning where I get up and I don't feel I don't feel right moving on doing anything else in the day until I've got that stuff done. So I just I wake up in the morning and that's my priority, and everything else sort of comes second to that and just just sort of works sort of works for me. So. Are uh, you going to take a little bit time, a little bit more time, to, a little more time between and do panels on the next one, or are you need about the same uh, breakneck speed? Uh, I'm I'm going to keep doing the same uh, the same uh, update schedule. Uh, right now, I'm actually doing seven days a week, uh, just because uh, I want uh, there to be enough of the new storyline posted for people to really understand what it's about. Um, I think this weekend is the last weekend I'll be doing that. I'll be moving back to five days a week. Uh, and on top of that, I also do three days a week with Six Gun Mage as well. So I'm, I'm really doing about about eight pages a week. But it's, it's actually a step back for me because for the last couple of months, as I've been ramping up to get the new comic going, uh, I've actually been doing um, uh, both Old Misfile, New Misfile, and Six Gun Mage. So I've been I've been doing uh, like 10, 12, sometimes 15 pages a week. So. Right. Um, how much longer until the new... Uh the sequel premieres or has it already? It's, it's up. It's up. Uh, last Wednesday, the first page went up. Um, by the end of the weekend, there'll be about uh, uh, 10, 12 pages up. 
Um, my original intention was to have the redesign of the website go up the same day as the new comic started, and then I was going to post, uh, you know, a whole first chapter, like 20, 30 pages. Um, but uh, that got held back because uh, the person doing my site is doing a bunch of other sites too, so the, the, the site won't be revamped until October. And under the current software I'm using, I can only put up one page a day. So right now I'm still I'm still using the old site. I'm throwing up one page a day. Sometime in October the website will flip, and then I'll put up a big chunk of pages. Uh, that happens. So. Okay. Uh, real briefly, what's the <coughs> what's the new misfile look like? I mean, story wise. Uh, new misfile uh, setting wise actually takes place in the first circle of hell. Uh, delves a little bit more into the infernal side of the celestial filing system. Um, but without without too many spoilers, I I can't get much more than that. But uh, it, it's it it deals with a couple of characters who, um, for reasons that are not quite clearly understood yet to the characters, uh, were actually born in hell, and so should not really be there. They fight over who gets them. You know, do they get to go to heaven? They have to stay in hell. They get and and, and a compromise is made where, basically, they have all these tasks to complete, and if they complete them, they get to go to earth. And it boils down to effectively their equivalent of graduating from graduating from high school. Otherwise, hell gets to keep them forever. Um, and sort of the, the and some and some things that come along the road to sort of mess that up. All right. You sound almost like you're going more of a. Uh, I want to say you're going more of a manga feel with it, but that's just because <laughs> of the whole quest thing. I mean, there were definitely objectives on the original Misfile, don't get me wrong. It's just they were more, a little bit more abstract until the yeah. last couple of years. So, Well, the, the, the like I said, the objectives are really are really a, a skeleton framework to hang the, the moments that happen between uh, the objectives on. Uh, real, real, uh, I like to think of stories as all the moments that happen between the things that you think you're trying to do. So yes, there is a there is a clear objective here, but really, again, it's going to come down to being more character based and and, and uh, based on the relationships between the characters, and that whole storyline is is mostly a framework uh, to hang the to hang the relationships on. So, and just because you're doing the framework, a lot of writers have a interesting thing where they basically start off doing something, and then all of a sudden the characters take over. Mm -hmm. About where are you on that mix? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I've always, I've, I've had, I've had, uh, I have, I've had plans all the time, and a combination of things happen. One, um, the audience will attach to a character that I didn't, you know, really necessarily think much about, or not be interested in a character that I was going to make fairly central. Um, so that that sometimes influences me, and more than that, I get to a point where I come to understand the character or make one change to the character that really changes their whole outlook and, and the way that uh, they interact with the other characters and that will sometimes change the direction I, I thought that I was going to take the character in where the characters really do sort of sort of take over and it, it, it feel it would feel like railroading them to put them into the situation or into the endings that I originally um, in the that I originally intended um, but I always feel like even if you're wrong, it's important to know where you think the characters are going because it'll it allows you to to foreshadow in a way and 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 have some direction. So even if, even if you're even if you're open to changing that uh, those directions, which I absolutely think you should be, um, I still think it's important to to think you know where you're going, uh, even if you turn out to be wrong, just for those just for those reasons. 
but yeah, the characters absolutely take over and, and sort of change their own destinies as the, as the story progresses, especially when it when it takes this uh, you know this many years and, and this length of time to tell the story. So, so yeah, we've been talking on one on YouTube. We've been talking about uh, She Hulk, and you know, obviously her ability to break the fourth wall comes into play every so often. Mm-hmm. And it was been sort of fun about how she and uh, Deadpool both uh, manipulated their own stories a little bit more aggressively than other characters have. At one point, uh, She-Hulk, for example, fires her narrator, and uh, Deadpool actually threatens the, the the author with a gun. So it's just, I mean, basically just building off the concept. It seems like a lot of characters like taking control mm-hmm. of their own destiny at some point through various means. Geez, I hate to be the writer of Thanos. Um, <coughs> yes, I want this to change your getting rid of half your family. No, um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see how many people change stuff based on what the characters say rather than what they they say. Mm-hmm. It's almost like writers have a definite, uh, almost a developed multi personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So, um, which of course brings up. How easy is it for you to differentiate between the various characters when you actually get going? Or do you even bother? Uh, what I try and do is find a window into the character, uh, even if it's somebody utterly different than myself. I try and find some way or some aspect of them that relates to some aspect of me, and that's kind of my window into their head. Um, and doing that helps um, me to pretty easily uh, differentiate when I'm writing and, and sort of jump between characters without without losing myself, so... Okay, cool. Uh, as far as the organization goes, how far how related to you are you to a script? I mean, do you actually have a script, or do you just yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I, when I started, I actually was even more organized. I would have a uh, I would have a list of events that I wanted to happen, and then I would turn that into a script, and then I would turn that into a set of storyboards, uh, and then I would turn that into into the actual pages. Uh, I've, I've eliminated the step there. I do I do sometimes jot down at the bottom of the script things that I would like to happen that I don't want to forget. But I don't chart out sort of a uh, you know a list of events anymore. I go straight to I go straight to the script um, and I try and work um, you know anywhere from anywhere from a couple of pages to where I am in, in the art. Uh, just so so I know where I'm going. Uh, and then when I sit down in the morning, I do what I call my one-minute page, which is just I, 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 I look at the script and I say, how, how much of this can I realistically put on one page and have the pacing work? Because um, that's one of those things that I feel like only comes with time. That was probably what I learned. When, from The thing that I learned the most about when I first started to now, like the biggest growth is, is, is how to deal with the – how to deal with pacing between the script and the and the and the, the storyboard? Because I feel like that's something you, you you can't really be taught. It's just sort of something that has to you have to figure out. Um, then I'll do what I call my like I said my one minute page, which is just a, a quick sketch of what the page is going to look like uh, on eight and a half by eleven paper. And I'll take that over to my desk and move to uh, I use uh, size B four paper, uh, which is about ten by fourteen inches, and that's what I'll do my actual my actual page on based on the on the little the little sketch that I've done. So, so I'm hearing you not really, you don't have a de- much of an outline nowadays. You just straight script. <coughs> I have a huge outline in my head. I just don't, uh, <coughs> I don't fastidiously <laughs> write it down the same way I used to. <coughs> One, 
Next time we do, uh, if you ever do this again, tea with lemon works and honey, a little bit of honey. It's yeah. always a good thing, especially you got a little bit of antiseptic. Well, I'm, 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 on, I'm on enough. Uh, I'm on enough uh, uh, antibiotics right now that if uh, if I had uh, you know a leprosy or, or TB and didn't know it, I don't now. Okay, so I'm one. When it comes to storyboarding, I just. How much fun was that? Why did you drop that? Is it just too complicated, too complicated, or? Um, I just didn't feel like I needed it anymore. It was a great, it was a great tool until I sort of understood the transition uh, from script to page a little better. Um, so I just I was able to drop steps. It's it's all it was just sort of a streamlining process that I didn't feel like I needed anymore. Just because you did do storyboard plus. The, the Hollywood background. Um, mm-hmm. How useful is it for a, basically? If I was going to take a misfile and turn it into a uh, uh, actual movie, how useful? I, I did. I did a. I did a pilot TV ser- show back in. I did a pilot for a TV show back in 2015. <laughs> I've got that too. So. Okay. In that case, this is exactly what I'm asking about. <laughs> uh, basically, how useful is the comic in terms of being an actual storyboard? Would you have to actually do a storyboard for the for the? Script? I did. Uh, I did not. I did not do a uh, storyboard, uh, but I did what um, what I call a shot list. Uh, I worked uh, very closely with my director of photography, and we discussed uh, because just because I have all those panels in front of me, a uh, a lot of them aren't you know shaped the same way that a, that a movie screen is going to be. I can, I, when I do the comic, I can, you know, the, I can lay things out however I want, vertically, horizontally, in any, in any format. When I switch to a, um, when I switch to a screen, I'm, I'm stuck with an aspect ratio. Um, and so a lot of the, a lot of the things that I had drawn just weren't going to work uh, the same way. Plus we had uh, budget and time scheduling constraints so we sat down together and we said, what, what do I need to, to construct a coherent scene here? And what am I going to have time to do? Uh, and what's going to make, uh, what's, what, what am I going to be able to do within those shots to make them dynamic uh, so that they, they're visually interesting to look at uh, for the audience? Uh, and that's, that's what we did. Um, we broke it down into uh, how many pages of script we could realistically shoot a day and how many, how many different shots and angles uh, could we do, could we do in, in those given situations? Because um, I had a uh, that entire, I had a, a, enough money to afford my camera crew for for a total of six days. Um, we had everything done in there, so um, it was just 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 paying the camera crew I think was like nine thousand dollars, and that was they were taking just a fraction of what they would normally charge for to to work on that project. So, okay, and the obligatory is how far did it get? How far did it get off the ground? Oh, well, the whole the whole project got done. I, I did it as a I, I had it crowdfunded as a Kickstarter just to do it to sort of do a movie version. Right. It got done. It's out there to see if you want to see it. Um, I think it's it's on uh, it's on Amazon if you want to look at it. I've got uh, I've got DVDs sitting in the warehouse here as well. Um, uh, but yeah, I have I. The problem is now that it's now that it got done, I. They make it so difficult to market anything in Hollywood unless you have uh, an agent or a rep. And I, I don't. <laughs> right. So, so I just I sort of I, I dropped the ball on that. Um, it's something that now that the series is done, I might look into uh, more seriously. I, I, I just uh, contacted a few of the people that I still know uh, out in there. And one of them is actively looking for somebody who might be interested in me as a client. Um, but it's so 
it's so sort of touch and go and, and, and luck driven. I'm not, I'm not counting on it. Um, and, and either way, I'm, I'm happy just doing the drawing at this point. So I would love to see it done as a, as an animated series or even a live action TV series. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to be crushed if it never happens. I'm realistic. Right. I've been in that business long enough to know how many series, even if it, even when the rights do get picked up, never never get made. So I could just see t- it'd be fun seeing. Uh, I can can never pronounce the guy's name. Thomas Tinkster Brody as uh, Remissio. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and I guess the other question is because you did do the translation from uh, basically from strip to screen. Um, how much of that did you have to drop? I mean, obviously... I made very few changes, and the re- it was, what I'm fortunate is, because my background is all in film, I wrote all the scripts to misfile in a screenplay format, just because it's it works for me mentally. Right. Uh, so when, it, when it became time to actually go from uh, the comic script to the script on screen, um, I, I, I changed all, very little, um, and a lot of it was just because I'd grown as a writer and wanted to mess with a few things. Uh, but I was able to go back and really just pull out those same sections of scripts, make a couple of changes, and uh, and go with it. So, cool. Uh, if you did do an actual full series, how much of the metaphysics would you have to drop, or would you have to? I don't think I would have to drop any of it, really. Um, I do think stylistically, I'd have to I'd have to change things a little bit. But I don't think, in terms of the actual story or the characters or the or the meta, or the metaphysics of it, I would change much at all. Okay. Yeah, well, I've noticed that when some people go from strip to screen or try to, they've noticed that they've had to cut down a lot of the dialogue, which also cuts down a lot of the, you know, in your case, you basically go through entire uh, pages where you actually go through how things work. Mm-hmm. Well, what's sure. nice is usually usually with the with the pages on how things work, um, it's I, I try and work it so that it's somebody describing it to somebody else, so that when I moved that to screen, I did the same, you know, when I had the comic, I had Remisio explaining everything and I had little doodles in the corner sort of showing, just accompanying his explanation. Well, and when I did the, um, when I did the, the uh, film version, I had that same thing, except that it's him drawing in crayon, those same, those right. same doodles as he explains. So it all, it all sort of was able to push it just straight over. So. Cool. Yeah, it's like you've, you've got a lot of people doing from one medium into another medium, and so it's sort of interesting to see how people translate it. I've tried to avoid as much as possible um, internal dialogue or internal monologue, uh, and that helps a lot Like if you're going to make that transition because it's very difficult to translate internal monologue to screen. But as long as two people are actually having a conversation and those, those words are supposed to be there, uh, I think it, it makes it a lot easier to, to make that transition. Cool. And I guess we might as well give your other projects a little bit of love. Um, what's Six Gun Mage about? Six Gun Mage is my steampunk fantasy western. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, that's just a, I, I just love that combination of western and steampunk. <laughs> it's a steampunk setting, but it's in a world where there was magic. I find most people, when they when they build a, a magical world, for some reason, get stuck somewhere between the medieval era and the Renaissance, and the society never goes past that. Uh, my society has made it to about the mid-1800s, late 1800s in some, in, some, uh, in some cases. There's a lot of steam power, um, but the, you know, things are still mixed. There's steam engines, some of them are run, um, some of them are heated, 
you know, buy magical elements, um, things like that. But uh, mages are fairly rare. They're rarer at this point in history than they've ever been. Uh, so much so that the few remaining mages have uh, have found people who are able to, they have in their blood the ability to cast, but not enough to be mages. That's where gun mages come, come from. They're given basically uh, weapons that allow them to focus uh, their power and uh, and use them. That's and uh, <coughs> uh, six gun mage is, is is the six gun mage is one of the, the uh, is one of the characters that the that the series uh, follows. So it's someone who is almost a mage but not quite, and uh, and then and her adventures. So okay, sounds great. I mean, like you said, first off, you got magic, you got steampunk, you mm-hmm. got western. So I'm like. <laughs> Half my favorite genres right there. <laughs> that you just don't see it enough. I don't think there's enough love for the western anymore. It's not. It's, it's never. It's 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 got comedy in it, but it's a lot less comedic than Misfile, and so I think the audience is smaller. But I've had a, I've, I've I've still I have a very loyal core audience for it. So I've, I've that's been going since about 2013. So I'm, I'm almost a thousand pages with that one. Okay. And. How, uh, wait, a thousand pages already? For six gun mage, yeah. Uh, I think I'm at nine hundred seventy something. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to see the books in your room. Oh well, you, you think that's bad? Misfile ended at just short of four thousand pages, so. <laughs> Jeez. That's like a manga library in of itself. <clears throat> now you got me doing it. Um, and the guess be touch real quick on the business side of things, how successful have the comics proven for you? Um, they, kept, they, you know, they pay the bills. Um, if I, I always say if, if, if I, uh, if I lived in a district where I could, if I felt comfortable sending my children to public school, I'd, I'd probably be doing pretty well for myself, but <laughs> because, because I don't, I'm, I'm left pretty broke at the end of the month, but you know, I, I do get the bills paid. So <laughs> yeah. Which of course puts you about a step in it. Uh, how have you managed to pull that off? I mean, with most web comics, they tend to basically do the more the hobby thing more than anything else. You're actually apparently making an actual business out of it. Um, like I said, it, it helps. It helps to treat it as, as it, 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 to make it to make it a business. You have to treat it like a business. I've always treated it like it was my job, even before it was my main job. You know, I made it a priority in my life. I made it made sure that everything, like I said, I only missed those eight updates because you know it was literally impossible for me to update. Um, I don't treat it as a hobby. I treat it as my you know my main source of income because it is. Um, it has also helped uh, that you know my wife also has a job to help fill in the gaps when things fall short, and it also helps she has a. a I, I I get asked this question a lot: is you know how do you make money at your web comic? And I say, well, I'll, I can tell you how I did it, but it's not going to help you. Um, and the, the, I usually get pressed on that answer. I said, well, here, I, to, 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 to summarize, the, from my experience, the best way to make sure that your comic gets out there and is noticed and makes money is to have um, the promotion of your webcomic be your wife's master's thesis in business school. <laughs> okay, that's just awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> So like I said, that's how that that would be my suggestion, but it's not going to help you. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <coughs> Jeez, especially when you got way too many situations where the where it's basically a guy doing it all by himself. So, 
but yeah, she handles a lot of the business end and the taxes because they get real complicated. Um, you know, I've got I try and I try and try not put all my eggs in one basket. I've got income coming in from the comic from multiple ways, uh, from uh, from donations, from merchandising, from Patreon, from advertisement, so that if anything starts to dry up or has a bad month, um, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not left broke. I, I have uh, I have those other ones I can draw on while I try and fix the try and fix the problem. I think that's that's one trap that a lot of people fall in is they find one really good way to make their money and then um, when that dries up or changes because my God the market has changed so many so many times since I started doing this. Um, you know one of the I'm one of the old guard. I've been doing this forever. <laughs> people, it's uh, but uh, I've watched the market and how you can make money change so many times that a lot of people have fallen in the trap of finding this one way that really works for them, and then the market changes, and they got nowhere to go. So I would say diversify, um, find, find lots of different ways to make money, uh, and, and hopefully that'll, you know, that'll, they'll, they'll buffer each other out. Yeah, it's really I find that almost all the people, not all of, but I'd say about 90% of the people that I know that have been doing this forever and are still doing it, all started their first comic in 2002. Yeah, going to jerk mode, you're actually you'd be pretty much the second generation of webcomicers. So this is not, of course, to say you have not. It's not the you know just the achievement or anything. Because trust me, that's a major achievement. Oh no, I was the the the, the first generation where we're uh, late nineties, probably ninety seven, ninety eight, uh, were just you know, like the, the real the real pioneers, and then and then right after that. Uh, you, you, you get us. You get that that second generation, and we were still small enough that we all still know each other. You know, like there were, it was a small enough community that when I first started going to conventions, the most common question um, that I got asked at panels is, "What's a web comic?" Like that's how <laughs> long I've been doing this. Um, and then to explain to people what it was, you would reference that first generation. You would say, "Well, you know, like like you know, like Penny Arcade or Mega Tokyo or one of those other things." Uh, and then that that was us, like the, like coming in, in the early 2000s. It was like that next small group that really tried to, that weren't pioneers of the genre, but were pioneers of the business. Where we said, well, this is this is the thing that people are doing. How can we make this a job? <laughs> right. And, and then now there are a million of them out there, but it's 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 a much it's a much uh, wider audience. Um, but there are also a lot more venues that have been set up to do it. You know, we were we were still kind of experimenting at the time. Like I like. The, the, the the when people ask me how to do this, the the speech that I used to give and the suggestions that I used to give, none of that stuff is applicable anymore because the market's changed so much. I mean, there was no Keen Spot or Keen Space or, or any of the places that you any of the free web comic hosting services that existed. There were the um, the people the the uh, people that were doing print on demand. That market didn't exist yet. Um, so you know we 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 kind of found had to find all that stuff. Um, and then nowadays, you know, it's it's a lot easier to it start up, but it's it's like I said, it's it's still a trap because it's very easy to start, but it's still just as difficult to make a living at it. So you know, kudos to all those people trying to do that uh, now because it, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to stand out in a field with so many people, even though it's easier to get started. It's it's almost harder to get noticed because there's so many people doing it now. Yeah, and of course, it doesn't help. You've got a lot of people who aren't much a saint, aren't following up on the education aspect of it either mm-hmm. so they're not how to put this one basically they're, even though they're trying to get good at the craft they're not actually doing the education or get better at the craft they're not taking the writing mm-hmm. classes or the drawing classes or anything like that so 
And it definitely well, my, shows. My, my advantage there was that my mother um, has a master's in illustration, was a professional illustrator my whole life. So until I, you know, got to be six or seven and met other children, I thought what parents did is they got up in the morning and like drew for eight hours. So that's what <laughs> I, my adulthood to be. So <laughs> there are worse things you can do. But I think that's where my work ethic came from in that respect. But. So, geez, we just saw a kid in the background. Yeah, I think they're back in the pool. Evan, upstairs, come on. So, um, don't worry, we're almost through, honestly, we're down to the last 15 minutes, which is always the fun part. If you'd have somebody who's doing the comics nowadays, what would you suggest, or what kind of training would you suggest, or you just simply go for it? Uh, I would say go for it. I get asked that question a lot, is like, you know, you know, what what's the first step? There shouldn't be a first step. Um, I think the biggest trap that people fall into when they're just starting this is saying, well, what do I need to do to be ready to do this? And the fact of the matter is you're never going to feel like you're ready to do this. I've been doing this for 15 years, and I still don't feel like I'm ready to do this. Just do it, because nothing is going to get you better faster than having to wake up every morning and just do the damn page. Uh, <laughs> look at the way look at the way my art changed from the beginning. I'm embarrassed to look at my early pages, even though I was really proud of them at the time. And, if you, and, I, and, and honestly, I think that's a good thing. If you look back at your work from 15 years ago, and you weren't mortified by it, then you're not growing as an artist. But what allows you to grow as your artist is that 15 years of work, you know? So I say just sit down, um, put it out there. It might not be your magnum opus, but every time you do a project, you will learn, and your next project's going to be better. So so what have you learned over the last year? I mean, have you, I mean, obviously you've gotten a little bit better, but obviously what have you learned over the years? What have you found to make <clears throat> work easier for you, that sort of thing? Um. I, you know, I found a rhythm just to, to, to the way I, to, to my work when I started, you know, my pages would take hours and hours and now I've got it. I really understand exactly what I got to do, um, what I got to put on the page and I can, I can, I can do my pages in about, each, each page is about two, two and a half hours now from, um, from that's all the way through to the text at the end. Usually, I mean, there are complicated pages, um, particularly when I've got a lot of complex machinery because my, my strength is in character and emotion. So when when you get down when you get to like cars or or guns or buildings and architecture, that's the stuff that's going to take me longer. But for the most part, yeah, my my schedule, my workflow has has uh, has really become more efficient over the years. Um, uh, what, what else? Um, like I said, the pacing. Um, you know, when I when I come from the world of screenplay, and screenplay is designed so that every page of screenplay gets formatted. If you read it, you can expect that a page of text is going to be about one minute of film. So in my head, when I started doing this, that meant that a page of screenplay was going to be a page of comic. And my God, that does not work. So figuring out how much of that page I could cram realistically and make it work onto a comic page took me really a long time to, to, to wrap my head around. And I feel like I understand that a lot better now. Um, and just understanding how to write dialogue in a way that makes it sound natural when you read it out loud, I think is, is something that takes a while. Uh, and I think that's very valuable when you read it, read it back to yourself. And it sounds like it's, if it sounds, if it sounds like something that, that you're reading out of a book, it's probably not right. If it sounds like something that you would actually say to somebody, you're, you're probably good to go. Right. <clears throat> how much, bleed, uh, how much bleed over there is there from character to character over time? 
What do you mean? Uh, basically. Basically, if you're with a person in real life, you're always going to trick. There's always going to be certain things you're going to bleed off from that person onto you, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. How how well does that apply to comic characters? Uh, well, it applies a lot from me to the character because, like I said, I try and I try and base each character on an aspect of myself. So that that so that that bleed from me to them is intentional. Um, I don't find that it goes too much the other way. Um, some characters do make me think. And I guess in that respect, um, that thought process can change can change some things. Um, maybe maybe make me look at something from an angle I hadn't considered before. But I'd say it's mostly in the other direction. It's mostly me bleeding into the characters uh, rather than the characters bleeding into each other or to me. Okay. Yeah, with like with anime, for example, you notice every once in a while that uh, one of the characters will notice all of a sudden they're doing things in a particular style, and they realize, wait a sec, this is this is. That goofball style, not mine. You know, that's why, and this is true of acting as well. Um, a lot of times, it's easier to to deal with a character who is not at all like you, who is who is radically different from you. Because when a character is similar to you, uh, that line blurs, and sometimes you're writing you into the character, and you shouldn't be. When a character is radically different from yourself, and you can put your putting yourself in that character's head, you're less likely to default to you in the writing and the, in the, in the drawing. So it's it, sort of the more different the character is from you, the, it's some, in some ways, the easier they are to write. How often have you found yourself exploring uh, certain aspects of yourself through your characters? Oh, all the time. All the time. Um, not, and not necessarily even in a logical, in a logical or straightforward way, but just uh, when I, when I find myself wor- having a character work through their problems and it, ha- it forces me to think how I would in that situation and how the character would do so differently. So it's 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 an it's an organic process that actually is, is quite common. Okay. And how was how's the difference between drawing six gun mage versus misfile going? I've done each of my comics slightly differently. Um, six gun mage is all uh, digital shaded. I don't do any misfile was all pencil. Uh, the new misfile is. Um, all the outlines are inked, but all the shading I'm still doing in pencil. Uh, Six Gun Mage is all uh, uh, ink and, ink, and uh, ink lines and uh, computer shaded. So it's, it's a different look and it's a different process, uh, but I think it helps to differentiate the properties. So, Which is always a good thing, especially when they've got different, uh, for lack of better reference, a little different magic system to them. So, um, How involved is the magic system for a Six Gun Mage? Uh, I don't go into how it works so much. Um, I, it, one of the things that has been established is uh, in Six Gun Mage, uh, mages are able to tap into another dimension, and the power that they, you know, the power that they use has to come from somewhere. So they, they sort of pull it out of there. Uh, and it, it's recently um, it's recently been revealed that because some of them have have basically used this this form of magic to to live forever. Uh, the, the diminishing returns on that each each year that it spells in effect it, it pulls more and more from this other dimension and this other dimension has now become like this dark horrible place um, and that's why there's one of the reasons there's so few mages now is there's there's not very much magic left to access in this other place because it's all being sucked into these like these five people uh, these five people's lives and that's that's where this 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 war has has come about is the, the people who have figured that out are 
are now trying to take take down these these uh, these five people. So, right. Uh, yeah, obviously, I need to read up on the Six Gun Mage. Um, <laughs> how was it? What's the age difference between the characters? Or is there pretty much the uh, adolescent? Well, in this file, pretty much most of the main characters are adolescents. Um, even the angels that are hundreds of years old are still effectively adolescents. Uh, in Six Gun Mage, uh, the main character uh, is a girl named Kylie, and she starts at uh, about 16. In the comic, she's about 18 now. Um, and she works primarily with a, with a, with a small group of people. Um, uh, there's, a, uh, there's an older, there's a slightly older woman who's in her, her mid to late 20s uh, named Gwen. Um, uh, there's uh, uh, a guy that they both work with that Gwen had a, a previous business relationship with and, uh, and Kylie works with now uh, uh, named uh, Zeitz who's got a whole past going on but he's in his, uh, he's in his mid-30s um, they have, uh, Gwen has uh, effectively a, a, a maid on lease from her sister uh, who, is, who is in her early, who's in her early 20s um, and then uh, there's uh, uh, Nessa, who is the only character who doesn't use guns. She, she, use, she specializes in sort of uh, silent techniques. She uses a crossbow and knives and all that. Um, and she is, uh, I've left her age ambiguous. Um, it recently came out that it, one, she was at one point a prostitute in, in, this, in this other city. Uh, and that, so that pass has come out recently, but I haven't really established a, a proper age for her, for her. So, so it's sort of uh, late teens to mid thirties is the is the group there. And then they're also working with a, uh, with a not a friend, but you know my enemy's enemy is my is my friend sort of situation. Uh, a guy named uh, Colonel Renault who has been an enemy for a good deal of the series who they're now working with, and he's in his he's in his late sixties. So. Okay, definitely a difference from this file. Yep. And I guess the fun part about this file, is you, I guess, how how was easy was it for you to do the gender bending for Ash? Well, sorry, what was that? How easy was it for you to do, or how hard was it for you to do the gender bending, especially when it came to Ash? It was very difficult for me uh, because when I started doing this file, um, my father had recently come out as transgendered and so I felt an obligation uh, to do it in a way that was uh, honest and respectful um, and so I wow I did a lot of research um, and through the years uh, I have met an awful lot of other uh, transgender people as a result of having done the comic and it, as, as I was saying online recently it actually changed my initial ending uh, one of the original endings I had for the comic, I just decided that it wasn't something I could do because it, knowing now what I know about um, about uh, transgender people, it just wasn't realistic. The ending would never have been realistic. It would not would not have worked. Um, and I wanted to be, uh, put an ending together that was that was more respectful. So that was one of the one of the reasons that that changed. So yeah. So yeah, it was. Yeah, for what it's worth, it definitely came off a little bit different than the usual playing playing it solely for gags. So mm -hmm. definitely a nice change. I'd say the best compliment I ever got was when I when I stumbled across a uh, I stumbled across a forum where there were a bunch of transgender people discussing comics and web comics, and Miss File was was referred to as the only be decent piece of trans literature written by a cis man. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeez, that I was... don't know if that's I don't know if that's true, but I took it I I took it as a great compliment at the time. So oh, it's definitely a great compliment. I mean, it's just usually whenever you see the the trans thing done, it's usually played off for laughs or there's some other miscellaneous something. You know, it's played off either for laugh or for sexual reasons, not for. You have, to, you have to put some laugh in it because life life is laugh. Like even in the worst situations, there's always there's always some humor. So you have to find the humor in it. But I tried to do it in a way that was going to remain that was going to remain respectful and not play it for laughs, but still have the laughs in it to keep it lighthearted enough to you know to read. So. Yeah, I've been sort of, uh, yeah, I've been looking at a lot of the transgender type characters. And going all the way back to World War II, and it's just been sort of interesting. I've actually been debating doing, uh, trying one or two of the public uh, act, uh, orphaned characters. So, and basically I had to go with, uh, now I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, basically he was in the, character was in the French uh, Resistance in World War II, <laughs> and then became a criminal, and when he became a criminal he decided to uh, basically dressed as a woman all the time. Mm-hmm. So, this is, of course, opposed to Madame Patel, who's an actor who does crime as an older woman. Don't ask. World War II comics scare me a lot. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Miss Wells definitely one of, the, one of the better treatments. So, I honestly wish there were a little bit more transgender, transsexual comics out there. And along the way, I got to say, I, I, ma- I made mistakes, and people people called me on it, and I tried to I tried to to work on it. I tried to not push back and say, "Well, this 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 and this," because you know it's not like I said, I'm not writing. I said, write what you know, and if you're not writing what you know, be willing to do a lot of research. And so I took I did as much research as I could, and I tried to take as much constructive criticism as I could about it, and and and, and work that in there. So you know, always always be willing to do that. Yeah, it seems like people who do who basically take the criticism, who basically roll with the punches tend to do a lot better than people who mm-hmm. resist them. Mm-hmm. So. Now, here, the thing with the with Numis file is I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm better equipped to write it because a lot of the, uh, a lot of the old themes of original Misfile dealt with, uh, with, with uh, transgender issues, which although I'm connected to, I don't experience personally. Whereas a lot of the issues, a lot of the, a lot of the themes of the new story of Misfile, uh, 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 revolve around uh, depression and anxiety, which I know loads about, and I can write from from a <laughs> personal level. So, <laughs> all right, and of course the obligatory. Uh, anything else you want to say or mention? No, just uh, you know, it, it's all it's all free to read. Like I say, my business plan is always revolved around making money by giving away all my creative content for free. So if, if you want to see what we're talking about, go to uh, go to misfile.com or. Uh, sixgunmage.com, and you can either spell sixgunmage or just put the number. I've, 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 both both websites go to the same place. Um, and uh, look forward. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to October when uh, the the website will update, and, I'll, and you'll get a huge chunk of of, of new file all at once. So uh, drop on by, take a look, and uh, enjoy. Yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely interested to see what, the, as a web designer, what that the new uh, site's going to look like. I'm already really happy with the current site, so it has oh, a nice. I, actually, I've, I've loved, I love the software um, behind the scenes on on the current misfile. I even, even I know I'm switching to a new software setup that I use, which is the same one that I use for Six Gun Mage. I actually prefer the one that I have now going with misfile. 
Um, but because of the company that I'm with, whose web um, space I'm using and who handles a lot of my business end, I'm, 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 the new design is going to work with, with their software. So um, it should look similar, but it's going to the whole site's going to function a little bit differently to make it easier to integrate with the rest of the those sites. Okay. Uh, one more free plug, just because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> stop on by, buy a buy a book or some or some merchandise, or or just read, because just showing up and letting those ads play, uh, you know, help help me helps me pay uh, mortgage at the end of the month, so <laughs> keeps my kids in school. <laughs> but uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's no problem. Good and uh, been a good talk. Cool. And, of course, my obligatory plug is uh, please stop by at patreon.com slash two sparrows, T-W-O, and uh, see what's there. So, yeah, definitely been fun talking to you. Definitely covered a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah, when it goes up, um, uh, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll toss a link out to it. So, Cool. And uh, get better. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. <laughs> Thank you.